Welcome to another podcast session of Robust. This time, we are sharing an interview we did with one of the co-owners of Smith Commons DC on 8th Street Northeast. As a Howard alum, Miles Gray has a genuine personal connection to DC and the lasting spirit of the city. We discuss his personal stake in our nation's capital, particularly within the Atlas District, and the growing recognition DC is receiving for its wealth of cultural possibilities and diversity. Also of note, we get the skinny on the Wonderkin chef, Carlos Delgado, who calls Smith Commons home. Be sure to check out our website at www.berobust.com for more information on Smith Commons, as well as a piece on a December 2011 beer and whiskey tasting, co-sponsored by Smith Commons, Allagash Beer, and Michter's Whiskey. Now without further ado, here's our interview with Miles Gray. First question is, it was, um, where did you get the idea to open up a lounge? Well, open up a bar, I'm sorry. Um, well, my business partner and I, uh, Jerome Bailey, that's my frat brother. Um, he's an Alpha Chapter Omega, like myself. Um, we've been kind of looking for spaces for probably about 15, 16 months. Um, I've done things in marketing, promotions, nightlife, um, in D.C., L.A., Georgia, Philadelphia. Uh, as we kind of settled down here in D.C., um, we kind of decided that it might be time to actually open up a space that kind of represented us um, or represented um, what we see as a new generation of um, food and beverage uh, enthusiasts. And seeing as you've been in a couple different cities already and D.C. Has sort of been, has become your home now, do you see yourself just... Uh, making like base here or do you see yourself actually expanding the brand to other cities or opening up other locations in other cities? Um, if, if the opportunity presents itself, uh, I think it would be great to open in other cities um, under the Smith Commons or the Smith Restaurant Group brand. Um, it all, all depends on where that city is and their, I guess, their cultural development as well as uh, food and beverage. I guess a good example of that is um, where did you have, the, for example, the Atlas District um, kind of turning into the a more artsy, a culturally diverse scene here in D.C.? Um, Philadelphia has had that for a long time. Um, Philadelphia is, you know, very advanced when it comes to craft beer, food, beverage, that type of thing. Um, New York obviously is well ahead of the curve. L.A. Is, has seen and done it all. Um, I think D.C. now, you know, ever since it seems like since Obama's inauguration, um, there's been a, a influx of cultural diversity to DC, a kind of a different outlook on food and beverage, a different outlook on um, what's perceived as quote-unquote going out, and I think DC's finally growing up into a major, a major city. We've had money and power here for a long time, but I think it's been relatively conservative here in DC up until up until recently. You have a lot of a lot of artists that are coming here now and um, kind of expanding. Um, a lot of fashion designers, um, local clothing, local chefs are kind of getting a, the, the type of publicity now that you know hasn't really been afforded to DC before. Um, between Todd Gray over Equinox, Jose Andreas of course, um, and uh, Mike Isabella over Graffiato. There's you know a lot of chefs now. People are starting to look more to DC for food and beverage. 
recommendations. I'm glad you brought that up because it is interesting now that since Obama has been in office and whatnot, we are getting a lot more shine in D.C., which we haven't been getting before. Right. Um, you mentioned that you you all, in opening this, you wanted to sort of have a space for the newer generation to come and have a nice place to relax. Right. But if you had to just sort of sum up in a few words, what would be your personal stake in D.C.? Um, well, my personal stake in D.C. is, um, well, like I said, I'm a Howard, Howard alum, um, so is my business partner. And I think our, our, our real stake in D.C. is, is making, it, it, it's kind of a, almost a personal obligation to make sure that D.C. remains weird. Um, there's uh, other towns like Austin, um, Austin, whose motto is, keep Austin weird. Asheville, North Carolina, who is, you know, as a town, is just incredible. 18 breweries, or uh, 13 or so breweries, um, and just a really great population that supports local industry, local economy, that type of thing. We just kind of want to make sure that, you know, we do our part in making sure that D.C. does the same, supports local artists, supports local food and beverage, supports local musicians. And I, what we've seen is uh, the communities that do that are usually the ones that are more successful um, as a community. We're, a lot of towns are getting pushed back to the neighborhood feel, community feel, and I think D.C. kind of got away from that for a long time. But now you have, you know, LaJoy Park, which is, you know, burgeoning, again, U Street uh, area, um, Bloomfield, uh, Petworth, a lot of areas that kind of had been overlooked before for, you know, economic and cultural reasons are now becoming some of the cooler areas to hang out in and just kind of a place where people can come and be themselves and relax and not have to worry about the pretense that other parts of the town you know, may have to deal with. Yeah, I understand. I'm with you on that. And you mentioned also um, support for artists and like local designers and things like that. But conversely, have you seen any support coming from other bars and um, restaurants in the area? Oh, oh, sure. Um, the Atlas District, um, A Street in general, is is a tight knit community when it comes to the other restaurants and bars in the area. Um, we, there's no way that we would have had as much success as we've had without their help. You know, Granville Moors. You know, at, it took us about a year to build the place out, and you know, we ate dinner probably over there, over there probably three, four times a week. The guys took, took great care of us, um, and we uh, Sova, the coffee shop up the street, um, the beer garden, um, a lot of these, you know, uh, Joe Englert who kind of, you know, has his hand in and, and owns uh, a bunch of restaurants in the area, those people just kind of, they kind of grabbed their hand, took us in and walked us through the whole process and helped us understand better what it's like to, to live and work on, in the H Street area. Uh, without that, there's there's no way we'd have had the type of success we've had. Um, and it just wouldn't feel as comfortable. I think we were able to really be ourselves in this area because they've allowed us to come in and be ourselves. Um, there's very little competition. I think there's a you know one for all, all for one mentality over in A Street, and it, it's it's been integral to our success so far. That's what I was getting from you. I'm glad it's like you all haven't been feeling it's like other places haven't been feeling. Oh, this is a threat. We need to like oh no, like that mark our territory. That's we haven't nice. seen any of that at all, and um, you know it's it's been good because other places have come on since us. Uh, Queen, uh, Queen Vic, Tokyo Underground, um, Cons up the street, uh, the, the Faux Bar and Grill, 
there's so many establishments that are that have come after us, and we've been able to pass on that same type of camaraderie and that type of kinship to other places. Um, for example, there's a spot called the Big Board who opened up um, maybe a couple months ago, and their opening night they didn't have the right washers on it that they needed for their tap heads on their draft beer system. So Matt from Granville Moore sent out a text saying, "Hey, Big Board needs washers for their uh, for their draft beer system." And by the time we brought our washers over, there'd already been three or four other establishments that had given them the washer they needed, and you know, help them feel more welcome in it. And it you know, it helps with the kinship of the neighborhood. So it's it's a, it's a great place to live and a great place to work. And I see, I feel like that's necessary for like the strength of a business. I know it's not easy running a running a business. Right. That's great to have a neighborhood behind you and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a, it's. You know, it's almost obligatory to have this type of business. You, you need, you, you're not an island. You know, food and beverage, you know, a lot of restaurants open and they think that, okay, we're going to do our thing. We're going to exist without our neighborhood. And that's just not possible. And that's not, that's not what we want to be either. We want, you know, we want all the other establishments to feel comfortable in ours as, as, as well as us feeling as comfortable in theirs. We want neighborhood residents to be able to come in and, you know, really be themselves and enjoy themselves and have, and have stake in their own neighborhood. You know, it's not feeling that you have to drive across town to Georgetown or up to Northwest or Chinatown or anywhere outside of your neighborhood to get the type of service, type of uh, kinship, um, and be able to share share a beer with you know people who you know who know who you are and are comfortable with you in their establishment. So it, it means a lot to us to be able to to support the neighborhood. And it seems too that you all really are like promoting diversity here because just like you mentioned earlier in the article how the space feels like a loft. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a bar where you're just face forward or at your small table. It's couches, low stimulating conversation. Yeah, we and that's kind of what we want to want to do. We want people to be able to come in, grab a beer, a glass of wine, you know, a plate of food, and have a great conversation um, with, with their friends. It doesn't. We're really not into the, you know, the the type of establishment where you can never really sit in and get comfortable. You have a meal, you have a beer, you have a drink, you pay your tab and you go home. I really want people to to, to come in, feel like they have a, you know, a temporary home with us. You know, stay as long as you like, hang out. There's, you know, there's no pressure to buy, there's no pressure to spend. You know, but. There is a bit of a pressure to have a good time. You know, we we do want people to have fun in our establishment, and whatever fun means for you, that's kind of what we want to be. Excellent. And um, a little bit on um, as far as your chef goes, um, Carlos Delgado. How yes. did that partner partnering come about? Well, we had a, a couple of chefs to come and go, and he, he kind of fell into our lap. Um, we interviewed a, a, a ton of people, and he was the first person who really understood what we wanted to do. So there are other bars or restaurant bars or whatever this new hybrid is that's coming about. Um, Philadelphia has one that's fantastic called Craftwork and you know about 25, 30 or so drafts, you know, incredible chef prepared food. And he was the first person that came in and really understood that concept that, you know, the wine, the food, the beer, you know, the desserts, the setting, everything needs to be, you know, at, at an A-plus level. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to have that A-plus price, and it doesn't have to have the pretense that comes, comes with a great piece of meat or a great, you know, piece of fish. And he understood that. You know, he's, he's young, he's, he's Peruvian, so he understands the spices, he understands um, the, the, the cultural diversity that can be found in a dish. He's trained in molecular gastronomy, so he definitely knows taste. And he brought on a, a, a fantastic staff as well. He has a uh, one of his sous chefs, um, Kamal Chanaka is, is fantastic. And we have diversity in our kitchen, we have diversity on the floor, and 
it just kind of speaks its way through through the, the beer pairings, through the, the wine pairings, and you know through the food as well. It's, that diversity uh, is a big is a big deal to us. Not only cultural diversity, but cover diversity of taste. You know, meeting and being able to come into an establishment and you know talk to people from different social economic backgrounds. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal in a town like DC where you have people from all walks of life. It's a transient culture. You know, there's there's been very few places that have done a good job of getting people to hey say hey let's sit down for a second let's all talk to each other you know let's learn about each other let's learn about your background let's learn about my background and let's build a bond you know over food and beverage you know we've kind of gotten away from that a lot you know in a lot of uh, in a lot of DC establishments and really across the country in some in some respects where you know food and beverage used to be what brought people together you know every night was kind of ended at the pub or you know there was a death in the family God forbid people would kind of you know take that wake to the pub and you know kind of drink away your sorrows and people kind of gotten away from that you know the the, the craftsmanship that goes into a, a well-prepared meal or a, a, a handcrafted beer or a, a small batch wine or a small batch whiskey you know that love that they put into that food you know it, it resonates through you know to people who understand and appreciate that so that's what we try to promote that's what we try to push excellent that's um we're actually we're pretty much done with that yeah so that's all we have for now. I hope you all enjoyed that interview. And once again, thank you for tuning in to yet another podcast session of Robust.